Matt has always had a flair for the arts. I used to draw, paint, sketch, anything kind uh, of with a creative flair to it, I guess. Today, he's just finished working on a new abstract painting. It's this beautiful blend of dark greens and reds that swirl together on the small canvas. It almost looks like a sunset storm. Matt's talent is undeniable, but that's not what makes this story remarkable. If you had told him a few months or even weeks back he would have painted today, Matt may not have believed you. See, 14 years ago, Matt was in a severe car accident, and he was paralyzed from the upper chest down. Since then, he's dealt with excruciating nerve pain, as well as difficult breathing problems due to a weakened diaphragm that have grown progressively worse over time. He now has to paint with a brush in his mouth, but that was never going to stop him. It felt good. First off, I was glad I had the motivation to want to paint. And then the act of painting is nice, because it kind of takes me out of my own head, puts me in a different zone. A recent 13-week hospital stay challenged Matt and his family in ways they've never been challenged before. In addition to the pain and stress that have burdened Matt for years, the breathing issues were getting worse, and major decisions, like deciding how often to use a ventilator, brought important questions about Matt's future to the forefront. With everything swirling together, just like a sunset storm, Matt and his family decided it was finally time to tackle these issues head-on. This is a story about the importance of being heard. This is a story about the unrelenting bond of family. This is Matt's palliative care story. Back before the accident, if he wasn't working on his art, you could find Matt playing his guitar or enjoying the outdoors. One of my favorite things to do was snowboard. That was one of my favorite things. My friend Dennis and I used to go up every Monday to Mount Snow, you know, weekend trip to Vermont. That was one of my favorite things to do. Matt was only 23 when the car accident halted his active life. Although he was paralyzed, he still felt pain in his stomach and other places, which confused doctors. And as a result, he hasn't had his pain properly managed this entire time. I've been trying for... The majority of the 14 years I've been injured to get doctors to listen to me about the pain I was experiencing. He lives with this. This pain is constant. It's abdominal pain. It's the viscera of his stomach. You know, nerve pain is terrible. Burning, stabbing, horrible pain. That's Matt's stepmother, Jane. She's been a critical care nurse for nearly 40 years. She's Matt's primary caregiver. Their bond is undeniable. We're very honest with each other, which I think any good relationship needs. She's been in my corner from day one. She's my biggest advocate. Jane has grown children of her own. And when she married Matt's father, the two families came together as one. Caring for Matt takes hard work and patience. He's wheelchair-bound, and he's unable to perform many tasks on his own, including going to the bathroom. That means he needs constant care. But if you ask Jane how she's able to find the strength to be there with Matt and his nurses every day, she tells you it's just how their big, blended family is. The family unit that we have, we always refer to it as like we're a very formidable tribe. You know, when one person, it's like a like a sick animal. When one animal is sick, the other animals tend to it. And that's kind of how we are. 
I don't have to ask my kids to, to be there or to do things or to anticipate needs that we have. They're just there. Everyone is there for each other. So Matt, in, in that regard, has been very fortunate that he has a really good support system, not only in me, but in his dad and in his four siblings. Naturally, dealing with the aftermath of the accident, the frustrations around his physical difficulties, and the stress that stems from being in pain has lingered for years. He suffered the, you know, uh, the loss of his life, actually, when he was became paralyzed. You know, it's a life that he once knew that, that he'll never have again. And that is kind of where he's at right now. You know, even this, this many years later, he's feeling, coming to terms with that. You know, it was something he didn't really deal with very well over 14 years. So the pain and stress have been there for quite some time. Matt has difficulty coughing and clearing his throat, which can lead to a host of problems. And although Matt has gone to different specialists for the pain and different therapists for the stress, nothing has helped, and he's never felt heard. That recent hospital visit finally put a lot of these issues under the microscope. He really did pretty well over all these years, but over the last couple of years in particular, I had noticed that the respiratory status was becoming more and more of an issue, and I was just waiting for the day when I would be told that, you know, we're, we're at that point, we need a trait. Originally admitted to the ICU at Bridgeport Hospital in Connecticut for low oxygen, the stay was met with several serious scares, which included a bout with pneumonia. A progressively weakening diaphragm means that Matt's condition is becoming more difficult to deal with. And as Jane mentioned, adding a trach to alleviate the breathing problems and potentially needing either partial or permanent assistance from the ventilator at home meant major decisions had to be made. Although Jane is a medical professional, she wanted Matt to be empowered to make decisions himself. Over the course of the 14 years, episodes would come up that were absolutely treatable episodes. And, you know, he, he would say, no, you know, I want to be treated. But at this point, I think he was facing the fact that, you know, I'm going to be an event. And, like, now everything is totally changed. And so he was voicing this to me. And I spoke to the case manager at Bridgeport in the ICU and just said, look, you know, I need help with this one because it's a little too close to home for me in terms of, you know, stopping everything that we're doing. You know, maybe there are other options for him. What Jane asked for was palliative care. Now, palliative care is specialized medical care focused on providing relief from symptoms and stress. The goal is to improve quality of life for both the patient and the family. Many palliative care patients have illnesses like cancer, congestive heart failure, diabetes, or Alzheimer's, but some, like Matt, receive palliative care for issues relating to their physical limitations. I always start with asking them if they've heard what palliative care is to start. And if they have, then I'm often asking them, well, what have you heard before? And that gives me a place where, unfortunately, most often I have to actually correct misconceptions. But if they haven't heard of palliative care, I say, great, you know, let me start with a clean slate. I am a palliative care physician. That is a specialty of medicine. My focus is on symptom management, um, so pain and symptom management, communication, sometimes decision-making if that's part of it. The best way to think of me is an extra layer of support for anyone who has a serious illness. That's Dr. Kristen Edwards, who oversees the palliative care service at Bridgeport Hospital. When I went to go see Matt for the first time, I was told to speak with his mother first. That's not usually the way I do things, but in this particular case, with their team directing me to do so, I actually felt it was the best approach. 
And and what I did was mostly listen to her. So I'm always careful to make sure I have the patient's permission to speak with a loved one before I do. And so in this case, I really mostly listened to her. And and what unfolded was Jane's anxiety over what Matt was going through and what Matt may or may not want to express to me. And so we really explored Jane's perspective and I was able to support her through what is my usual approach with a patient. Um, I remember she expressed a lot of worry that he would become upset at even sort of introducing me. And so I think I was able to allay her anxieties from that perspective and, and demonstrate that I could introduce myself as this extra layer of support and that most patients are receptive when I do have the chance to provide that education. His questions kind of opens the door for me to be able to say, let me tell you about this this team, this program, by being willing to talk to these people that can offer you more support. You can get your questions answered. You can understand what, you know, advanced planning looks like, what that means. And I was very honest with him and just saying, you know, I am not, I'm a nurse. I'm very knowledgeable. I understand it, but I want you to understand it. So if you, you know, meet with them, if you're not interested in continuing to meet with them, you're the patient. You're 38 years old. You can say no. Matt decided to give palliative care a shot. His first meeting was with Jane, Dr. Edwards, as well as the full palliative care team, which includes other doctors, nurses, social workers, and other specialists. A lot of it has to do with exploring their fears. So Matt had expressed he didn't know that he wanted to live on a ventilator. I remember asking him, well, what is it that worries you about living on a ventilator? Um, what is it that is quality of life to you? So, so long before I jump into what the options are, I need to understand what the worries are so that I can address those particular worries with what those options might be. Palliative care specialists are trained in communication skills. One of their aims is to make sure that patients and families are well informed so they can make sound decisions. The other major issue in the beginning was the family, family and Matt, seemed to be under the impression that they had to make a final decision right then. And I think a lot of what we did was actually open up the door for them to see that they could do a trial and let's reassess. Let's give this a couple days and then reassess and give Matt a chance to get more information to process what types of decisions he ultimately wanted to make. First things first, it was time to tackle the most pressing symptoms. The first step was listening. The palliative care team was the one group that came in and said, well, wait a minute, let's do a little more looking here. Let's assess these physical symptoms. Let's get him comfortable. Let's teach him some new school skills. Let's help him get all the information he needs to make a choice so that he doesn't feel like he has to make a decision this very moment. Dr. Edwards says tackling the pain is something she likes to do right away. So one thing is palliative care is all about relief of suffering. And if you aren't relieving the physical symptoms, you can't possibly get to exploring the more emotional symptoms. So, so we certainly want to spend a lot of time on those physical symptoms that are getting in the way. To manage the pain, Dr. Edwards looked back at Matt's medical history to determine why certain pain medications either didn't work or weren't given in an organized manner. He had not been treated um, with pain medicines because he'd had significant constipation in the past with opioids. And he was very fearful of having another episode of constipation. So just with some very simple education, I explained to him how we would 
anticipate and treat that constipation while doing a small trial of opioids. And we were able to get his pain better controlled, and that made a huge difference in his emotional well-being. Dr. Edwards helped me get my pain under control, which reduced a lot of my anxiety. Since the pain and anxiety kind of work together. With a pain management plan in place, both Matt and Jane started to feel like they were getting back on track, slowly but surely. It took a while, and he understood that. You know, medications, sometimes you have to have a little bit of a cumulative effect. It might not work right away. This is what I'm going to come and see you every day for. We're going to talk about this. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get this to an acceptable level. And, you know, everything that was promised to him was done. Addressing someone's pain often gives patients a sense of hope. Sometimes that pain has been unrelenting and ongoing, and they have this fear that it will always be like that. And so when you show them that, that actually we can get to a point where you're relatively comfortable, then the discussion about quality of life becomes a completely different discussion. And so really addressing those physical symptoms up front is, is key. I often won't even have a goals of care conversation before we've made sure that someone is comfortable enough to, to think about a bigger picture. Dr. Edwards mentioned goals of care. Palliative care specialists help patients set either small or large goals so they have something to work towards. Matt knew right away what his goals were. Spending time with my family, painting, writing. One of the major things I would like to do is to be able to get out of my house more and really find this community to be a part of. Matt says having the pain addressed cleared the way for wanting to address other issues. Huge weight off my shoulders. It reduced my anxiety, which led the way for the social worker to come in and then help me with a lot of the uh, psychological issues. And I was at a point where I was ready to open up and be honest and to move forward. Trusting palliative care was big. I think I was motivated because I felt like there were people that were listening to my needs and concerns and addressing them. For Dr. Edwards and her team, especially the social workers, treating emotional issues can sometimes include anti-anxiety or anti-depression medication. But more importantly, it's about giving the patient a chance to work through their issues. Matt had a fair amount of depression and significant anxiety. We were able to make some improvement with medications, actually a fair amount of improvement with medications, but not enough that he was truly at, at a really great place. Ultimately, though, the role of the social worker was really important for Matt, teaching him some of the mindfulness techniques that he needed to transition in moments which were triggering his anxiety. One tool the team social worker taught Matt was what she called the hot air balloon technique. I visualize my fear and anxiety. I put them in a hot air balloon and I watch the balloon float off into the sky. It's a simple technique, which is something I need in those high stress moments Jane says the palliative care team was inspired by Matt's motivation and newfound willingness to improve his well-being. She said, I've never met someone as motivated as Matt.
you know, Sissy asks me for homework. You know, every time she would see him, I guess they would end the conversation with, you know, working on goals and, and things, especially his anxiety. That was a major, major, major problem. And I saw that dial down over that 13 weeks. Once palliative care got involved, I saw that anxiety. It was palpably dialing down. As he began to make small improvements, Dr. Edwards started to get to know the real man. He started to smile and he started to make jokes. And I remember there was one moment, and I don't remember the exact word he said, but I remember looking at him. <laughs> I just couldn't believe the joke he was making. Um, and it was some quick, sarcastic quip um, that really caught me by surprise. And, and I laughed. And it was so different. It was like he was a different person. You could tell he had this undercurrent of mirth under there um, that was really neat to see. And, and definitely he caught the heart of many of the people taking care of him in the ICU. He was uh, one of our most enjoyable patients to take care of. Over time, the palliative care team and Matt grew closer. He was just a really neat person. And I think taught us all a lesson of how much quality you can, of life you can have being bed-bound, wheelchair-bound, and now ventilator-bound. Um, and yet, really, he gave so much to so many people in, in his personality, and we're all very grateful for that. At the end of the hospital stay, it was finally time to go back home. With the help of palliative care, Matt made the decision to be on a ventilator while he sleeps, as well as for a few hours during the day. His previous ideas of what it would be like to live on a ventilator didn't necessarily match up with what it was actually going to be like to live on a ventilator. And so it was really helpful for him to think through all of his fears and have us be able to address some of those fears individually and make him ultimately realize that what he wanted to do was, was give it a try for now. He has the information now to be able to make a decision and feel okay about it. So that's kind of like we are, a, we're a little team over here and it's just, I, I, whatever he needs or wants me to do to help him make that decision, I will, I will do that. But in the meantime, he has the tools he needs to, to go day by day. With Jane's unrelenting love and support and with the right mix of nurses, Mac can focus more on trying to keep his anxiety under control as best he can. The pain is uh, under control and mentally I'm feeling better. I left the hospital with different techniques to try what I'm having, panic attacks or uh, high anxiety mode. For Dr. Edwards, Matt is a great example of what palliative care can do. It really exemplifies how much palliative care can give to people. I, I firmly believe that we gave him quality time to spend with his family and to have some hope again that he could have some quality of life. To me, palliative care was uh, a support system, uh, a support system that helped me manage my pain and my mental health. Just giving him that opportunity to feel like he was heard and that he mattered and that people were listening and willing to help him, I, I, it was like somebody just turned a switch on for him. It doesn't change the big picture. No, it doesn't change the big picture. But I think it, it gives him the, maybe the strength or the comfort level in saying, okay, so you come, it's one day at a time. 
For more information on palliative care, visit getpalliativecare.org.